a leader for me is about making them feel important, confident, valued, special. If you don't do that, what I've learned along the way is that you have the absolute polar effect. But I've learned along the way what I say to my middle leaders, my leadership team, people will forget what you say, they forget what you did, but they will never forget how you've made them feel. Welcome to Voice in Education, the podcast. I'm Kathleen Kushney, founder of Voice in Education, a senior lead in education, trainer and coach. My mission is to help new leaders and teachers aspiring to leadership become confident in their ability to lead others successfully. Whether you're a new or aspiring leader, this podcast will help you to become confident in your ability to lead others successfully. We discuss key themes in education and personal development and how this can impact educational leadership. Let's move that needle from confusion and overwhelm to clarity and inspiration. This is a special episode to end the year. Today, we are celebrating Rima Reed, who has recently won the award for Head Teacher of the Year in a primary school, the prestigious gold award awarded by Pearson National Teaching Awards. What's immediately clear from this conversation is Rima's dedication to her values and community-focused education. Inclusion and social, cultural and diversity is a true driver of her work. Rima is no overnight success. And by now, we must be beginning to truly understand that there is no such thing. Rima is resilient, a challenger. She has worked tirelessly for many years for her pupils, supporting staff, as well as empowering global majority teachers through coaching and mentoring to take up leadership roles. Rima is an inspirational leader. Before I start, I just want to thank Financial Joy Academy, who are sponsoring this episode. Financial Joy Academy, also known as FJA to its family members, and I say family members as the FJA community really are just that. Financial Joy Academy is run by husband and wife team Ken and Mary Okorafor. They offer a private space for action-taking dream makers who want to achieve financial independence. Financial Joy Academy offer a range of courses regardless of where you are on your journey to financial freedom. Together with fellow dream makers, Ken and Mary support and encourage you on your own journey, which is what they've been doing for me for just over a year now through coaching calls and their popular 5am club. For more information, head over to their website to take a look at the recommendations from other dream makers. If you're convinced and want to join our family of dream makers, I have an exclusive link which gives you 15% off your first month. Check the link in the show notes. Financial Joy Academy provides an essential learning for all. We know as educators that learning never stops. Hello, Rima. Thank you so much for joining me this morning, taking time out of your precious time because it's the Christmas and we all know what it's like running up to Christmas and the busyness of schools. So thank you for being here. I was just going to jump straight into it. So you've recently won the Pearson's Primary Head Teacher of the Year. You've had a really, really interesting journey. Can you tell us about your leadership journey, please? Well, thank you, Kathleen, for inviting me to you know carry out this interview. And yes, I've just won the Pearson's uh, Head Teacher Award for 
head teacher of the year in a primary school, which is really exciting. And I'm very grateful for the fact that I was actually nominated. And the fact that I won it is really quite exciting and inspiring for others. But my journey into headship is not the traditional route as such as we know it. So I've been a head teacher for about 12 years. But prior to that, I started off working in schools at the age of 17, just doing after school club and just hanging around in schools at the end of the school day after college. And then one day the head teacher, Mr. Griffiths at the time, asked me if I wanted to, you know, be a meal supervisor and a teaching assistant. So I did that for a number of years in a primary school in Brixton, progressed on to being a senior meal supervisor, really excited about that at the time, and working in the classrooms. Uh, But as time went on, from doing those two roles, what I identified even as a senior meal supervisor was that I did have leadership skills because I was able to lead my team and lead them well. And then when I started working in the classrooms, as a teaching assistant supporting the class teachers, I realised that sometimes the teachers were asking me for ideas, were asking me to use leadership skills, taking groups of children, you know, out and trusting me to do that. And also working with the other teaching assistants. But as time went on, I realised that black boys in particular were not really being understood by the teachers that they were working with. And one of the teachers who is now my best friend and my children's godparent, uh, Sue, she won't mind me saying her name, came down from Cheltenham and was assigned at the time a school in Brixton. So you didn't choose where you taught many years ago. If you wanted to work in London, they would assign you a school. So Sue came down from Cheltenham and I realised that although she was hardworking, she was creative, there was something missing when it came to working with black boys and understanding that cultural difference. So we became really good friends and I realised that I was supporting her in doing that and think. And then I thought, well, actually, if I'm doing so much supporting and I'm understanding what's happening for these young people, then maybe I should become a teacher too. So soon I had a conversation and she said, Reema, you know, you can do this. Come on, you've been supporting me for two, two years and I will support you on your journey to becoming a teacher. So at the time I had no qualifications. I'd had two children by that point and Sue was quite happy to support me. So I went to college. Sue would read my essays and says, Reema, that's good. That's rubbish. Uh, You need to work harder at this. And eventually she moved back to Somerset halfway through my course. And I was like, gosh, what am I going to do? How am I going to cope? But really what she had done, she'd supported me and gave me that confidence to tell me that, yes, I could do this. So I continued my journey to becoming a teacher, became pregnant in my second year of the teaching degree, but decided that I would definitely go back because by then I'd had the confidence, I knew what I was doing and the skills from being a meal supervisor and a teaching assistant really supported me whilst at university on my school placements. So carried on and graduated as a teacher and enjoyed it. I was so happy that I was able to now be the manager of my classroom. But I realised from the leadership skills that I'd got from a teacher, from being a meal supervisor, that I actually could be a leader. So I was a 
English leader across a two form entry school in my second year of teaching, which was exciting. I was again managing people, I was again supporting others. And I thought to myself, well, this is good, but I want more because I think I have the skills to do more. And so I then was promoted to a middle leader, vice principal. And being in that role, I was still supporting staff. And one of my NQTs at the time nominated me for for an award. And I was in the South London Press. It was for Teacher of the Year. It's really weird. That's so many years ago. But I didn't win that. But what they recognised, they did this article in me about dishing up role models because they knew that I'd you know, started as a real supervisor. And this young lady or this teacher had talked about how much I'd supported her, inspired her. And again, she had lived in Sussex and had come down to work in Brixton. And I'd offered support because I'd worked with Sue and supported her. And so then I was a vice principal for a while and I was still managing people, still inspiring people. And then I thought to myself, well, if I could do all of this, then maybe I can become a head teacher too. So I started off as a head of school of a Muslim faith school. I wasn't a Muslim, but my head teacher at the time said, Reema, you know, this is a real opportunity for you to really lead a school, but this will also give you the CPD that you need. I was co-head of the Muslim faith school because I didn't have the knowledge of being a Muslim. So I had a Muslim co-head and I was the leader of teaching and learning, managing staff, everything you do as a head teacher. So I did that for nearly four years and I was armoured up, ready to be a head. So what I did was I took a year out and I thought, well, I think I can become a head. But there's one aspect of leadership that I'm not too sure about, and that's the transition from primary to secondary. So I became an inclusion manager in a secondary school for a year. And I applied for the role of head teacher of Hollydale Primary School. And I got the job because I felt I was really ready from starting out being a meal supervisor. So understanding what it was to be a support member of staff, understanding what it was to be a middle leader, understanding what it, what it, what it was to be a vice principal or deputy head teacher. And now really ready to, to say to myself, I could be ahead. So for me, the journey was always about having CPD and reflection at the core of what I did. So I'd reflect on each of those roles. This is really good, but is it what I want or could I do more? Evaluating my skills and working with people that supported me and believed in me, which is why I'm where I am today. But I think in terms of the Pearson's Award, on reflection, when... Julia nominated me many years ago as this amazing NQT mentor. I think I was on that road to, you know, getting an award like the Pearson's Head Teacher Award. So it's not even being pompous in any way. I think the journey speaks for itself. And I'm very grateful and happy that I have that accolade. And it it makes me even think more about the journey and how challenging, how rewarding, how resilient I've been along the way. Mm, wow, what a meaty, meaty answer. And there's so, there's so much in there. Like you, what, what's important is what you said is that it's CPD and reflection. So the reflection there. And what I realised from way back at the beginning of your journey is that you had that self-awareness. 
So you knew, you kind of identified yourself the leadership skills when you were, you know, as working as a lunchtime supervisor. And then other people identified it in you. But what I think was key to your success, if you don't mind me saying, is that is your self-awareness. So you recognize it yourself because sometimes other people can recognize it for you. But if you don't see it yourself, then you can't really progress. And I just, I think that that is a key ingredient, in my opinion, in your success, just your awareness to think, yeah, I can do this. Yep. And then gradually the stepping stones all the way. Yeah. Having that checklist is important and being a reflective practitioner, taking time out to think about your skills and where you want to go. Obviously it's not everybody that's going to be ahead, but in a school, everybody has a key role and it's about doing that role well. So even like my support staff, I encourage them, reflect, is this where you want to be? And if it is, that's fine. Do that job well. But if if you reflect and you think, you know, Miss Reed, I want to do more, then I and my team will support you to do more. Mm. And you also spoke about key ingredient that you said was trying to get the experience. The piece that was missing was that inclusion. So that transition mm. part. Could you talk about that a bit more, please? Why that was so essential? One of the things I did when I decided that I want to go into leadership is I made sure that I taught every single year group because I didn't want to be one of those phase leaders where teachers say, well, she's telling me what to do, but she's only ever taught key stage one. So I made a point of teaching every year group. So I had some understanding of that year group. I made a point of becoming a SATS reading and writing marker marker. Because I wanted when I did relate to my year six teachers that, you know, look, I'm doing this. I'm understanding the process and I understand the the steps that are needed for children to do well in these SATs. But for me, inclusion was something that you only ever handed in IEPs. You didn't really do much more than that as a teacher. And inclusion should be at the core of any school. And what I've realised over the many years that you have children coming into school and we talk about inclusivity but we do we really understand what that means for that child do we really understand what that means for that family so I decided mm-hmm. that after being a co-head of the Muslim faith school that I should take some time out and reflect because that was a such a unique role for me so putting it all together thinking Reva what what which bit is missing for you and it was the inclusion bit and also that transition, knowing what goes on in secondary schools. We always think that we know, but I had no idea. And so I felt that take, taking a step back and going into um, that secondary school in an inclusion manager role would really enrich my headship. So what I began to do along the way was have this checklist of what would armour me up and support me in the role of a head teacher. So your mm. CPD never stops. But I wanted to be in a position where I went to that interview and they could see that I'd invested in myself and that and CPD was at the core of my leadership for me and for my staff. So when you you know come to my school, you very much know that inclusion is at the core because I had I as a head have the skills and the experience to support and work with my inclusion manager. So you know, I understand the language. I understand what needs to be done. I understand parental concerns because I'd, I'd done that for a year myself. You know, I didn't just pop into meetings. I was actively in control of that inclusion aspect of school. That changed my headship. That 
made me lead differently. Mm. And that made me have the confidence to say to teachers, we have to have inclusion at the core of what we do. It's not just the Senko's responsibility. It's your responsibility to make sure the experience of these children is equal to that of any child in your class. So so that was great. I, I really enjoyed that. And working with secondary school colleagues, they were very grateful to me having that primary experience. And I think there needs to be more work run, done around primary and secondary working together rather than mm. us just sending children along with a summary report as to what these year six pupils could do. I think there's a lot more that can be done around primary and secondary partnerships, and especially when it comes to pupils who have special needs and need support. Yeah, I completely agree with that, definitely. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. How How would you see that working, would you say? I think it could work well. I think there's you know, it, it started to work, in, you know, the last couple of years, people from the secondary school have come across and mm-hmm. met with the children before they've gone into year seven. And you find that my my year six pupils are so happy, they relax knowing that that's that one person that's at, at least come across and is interested in what they're doing and talked a little bit about transition. So I think it could work. I, I don't think it it's a something that can't work. We just need to put some time and effort into it. And as a school, we do that. We make a point of telling our feeder schools that we want you to come across. We want you to meet with our children. We want to talk about our children and we want to tell you about the support or the support that they may need going forward. And happy to still continue to talk to you, even a term in. Okay. You know, not because our children are not here, does it mean that's it? You know, we still should be working together, especially for our vulnerable pupils Mm. and those pupils that need support. And even for our children at the higher end, the gifted and talented, they also need support. We wanted to make sure that they are given those challenges when they get to secondary school. And it's not after two terms that they've realised that they're in the wrong set or whatever else. Mm. So, yes, I think there's a lot in terms of encouraging primary and secondary partnerships. Mm, Yeah, thank you. Thanks for just expanding on that. And, you know, so you've won the head teacher, primary head teacher of the year. Mm. And Mm. from everything that you said, clearly, (laughs) yes, you deserve it. But why would you say, like for you, why would you say that you deserve it from your perspective? You know, when it comes to awards, it can be, quite controversial because every head teacher across the country is doing an amazing job and you know congratulate all of them and I share that award with them but when you sometimes you know the awards there was probably about 25 categories Mm -hmm. what it does is highlight for the community for teachers that there is some fantastic work going on and we're going to highlight this person so I'm no better than the next head teacher up the road but it's just that for me, it, this is highlighting what we do as practitioners. So this award is about for, for all the teachers. I'm just a highlight. Mm. I'm nothing special because, but you do need to have that spotlight on teachers because we do such an amazing job with very little reward for it. And so if this award for me is just saying, hey, we are here and this is what is going on in schools. It's not so much about me being special. I know that for myself. I don't really need the accolade from anyone else. But in terms of what we do as teachers, and also as a black minority ethnic teacher, it's about 
showing schools nationally that black minority ethnic teachers are also doing a fantastic job, teachers, head teachers. And so if you're, you know, in places not in London, you might say, hey, I, I would never have known about this amazing person if it wasn't for Pearson's teaching mm. awards. So in that respect, it is bringing about change. It's bringing about, it's, it's highlighting, it's making people aware that we are all in this together, regardless of nationality, gender, whatever else. And if it does anything, it, it does that. It says, wow, you know, this is so different to my school, but they're still doing an amazing job in London. Mm. Uh, they're still doing an amazing job. This is this 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 is great. I didn't know you know schools did this. So it's more about promoting teaching, promoting all the fantastic head teachers are out there. They've just used me to do that promotion. Yeah, uh, yeah, that, yeah. That's so true. That's so true. Yeah. So you're like the face of it for this year, yeah. representing everybody else yeah. that's been working hard over the years. Yeah, there's, you know, I, you know, all head teachers, there's not a head teacher on the planet who doesn't work as hard as I work, who, who doesn't want the best for their mm. pupils. You know, that's why we do it. It's not a very rewarding job. It's hard work. It's challenging. But yes, you know, I'm grateful for the fact that it's saying we are here and we need to be applauded for what we do. Mm, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Applauded definitely from somewhere, at least, you know, yeah. it's not. But head teachers aren't always applauded from, well, yeah, outwardly anyway. So yeah, I understand what you mean. And I think when you look at data, the data shows there's very few black minority ethnic head teachers, mm-hmm. and so you know, out of two thousand five hundred and eighty-one head teachers nationally, there's probably at least at about three hundred black minority ethnic teachers, and so highlighting that aspect is also really good in terms of changing relationships and letting everyone know that it's an equal opportunity for all mm, as well. Yeah, and it's inspiring for others. If they see that you've done yeah. it, then they know that it can be achieved. Absolutely. Mm. And, you know, there's a famous saying that if you won't, I won't, who will? So, again, for me, it's about people say, oh, there's not enough black head teachers. Oh, there's not enough black teachers. But somebody has to do it. So if I could inspire somebody to say, this is hard work, and if I can achieve what I've achieved, then you can too. Because we can moan, we can fuss, we can complain. But when I decided to train, as I said, I had three very young children at the time. You know, I was a divorcee, bringing those children up by myself. But I continued on that journey because it was not it wasn't enough for me to keep saying, oh, you know, the underachievement of black boys and, you know, teachers are not understanding. It was about more of, okay, I've I've noticed this, but then maybe I need to become a teacher to help to address some of these issues that I've seen. Mm -hmm. So and that's telling, you know, my parents as well, you know, for me, the journey wasn't easy as a teacher. And sometimes you moan, but how about you becoming a teacher? Because you can as well. So it's, a, again, the, the Pearson's Teaching Award for me is about inspiration. It's about motivating others to make that difference. Mm, and about change. It seems like change is one of change. your values. Yeah. So speaking yes. about um, values, how do you stop your values being compromised as a leader, would you say? It's, it's tough. And so at Hollydale, for example, 
we have four core values, which are the four R's, which is a lot about my values as an individual mm -hmm. as well. So when I went to Hollydale, we didn't have values. Uh, it was a very challenging school. So I thought, well, how can I get across my values without compromising myself to run this school and to run it well? So the four R's at Hollydale is respect, responsibility, relationships and resilience. So everything we do is per those values permeate everything I do. Mm -hmm. So having those values that everybody's aware of, everybody's expected to adhere to, helps for me to not compromise myself. So when I talk to children who, you know, might have a friendship fallout, we talk about the values. So what value here is is being compromised, as you would say, respect this read, you know, we, we're not showing respect to each other. What value is being compromised when you don't bring your PE kit to school? It's about responsibility in this yeah. So for me, my leadership is 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 always those four values, four core values are at the core of what I do. And so, of course, as a leader, it's not perfect. Of course, there's times when you reflect on your headship and you think, you know, maybe I could have done that differently. But I use those values to support me because leadership for me is about inspiration it's about encouragement it's about enabling it's also about being humble and I you know as I say oh I've come from humble beginnings you can come from humble beginnings but not be humble along that journey and for me it's about being humble as an individual to support and guide others um, in terms of where they want to be um, and for me, leadership is not about being in charge because there's that aspect of it, but it's about taking care of those that are in your charge. Yes. All right. So, so for me, it's more about that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm Miss Reed. Yeah. I'm a head teacher. That, that's just the first part of it. It's about understanding and taking care of your staff, taking care of the pupils that are under your leadership. And when you talk about compromise, as I said, the key thing for me is about reflection. And sometimes I reflect, Rima, was that about being in charge or was that about really being aware of the people that you're in charge of, the pupils and the staff? So I think for me, you know, it's about being humble. Inspiration is the key, is, is really important for me mm. uh, and motivating. So if I have parents who can be quite challenging, it's still about being humble, understanding what they're going through, but encouraging and trying to inspire them to do better. So I don't compromise because you, you know, you have lots of issues. We try to, I try to work with it in a way that, you know, you feel supported when you leave my office, mm. you feel inspired to do better. You feel motivated to get your children to attend school five days a week rather than three mm -hmm. days a week. So for me, as I said, my core values that I've, introduced into Hollydale is actually values that are personal to mm. me that ensures that I'm you know that I, I don't compromise because they every day it's what I'm talking about with my children with the pupils and the staff so that helps me not to fall off the wayside so to yeah. speak and if I do fall off the wayside what it does is pull me back into line because those values there's multiple layers to each of those values that I can draw upon to support me as mm. well. So it's almost like you're a walking embodiment of those four values. 
mm-hmm. and you, you know mm-hmm. you stay you, tr- you know, your aim is to stay in line with that within your school as well as a role model yes yeah. yes you know and these values are something that you need to be articulating daily there's a quote that says motivation doesn't last forever it's like bar- bathing that is why you is recommended daily so so for us you know on a monday morning every single monday without fail uh, 365 days of the years what are our core values what do they look like this week so it's it's a constant it's all the time that we're talking about this and consolidating it and confirming so if you've been in Hollydale for five years, by the time you get to year five, you are living and breathing those values as best as you can. And as you said, if they're com- if they're compromised in any way, you can quickly get back on mm. track. And through all of your leadership, what does while you're doing it, how do you remain authentic? So what does authentic leadership ah. mean to you? It's for me, authentic is being myself and artic- keeping that vision alive in terms of, you know, this is this is what I believe in, you know, and, and it's walking the walk as well. So what you find for me at Holidays, I'm a very visual leader. You'll see me around because your vision should permeate everything you do. Yeah, so if you talk about uh, lifelong learning, if you talk about the community should be this, people need to see you actually acting that out so to speak they need to see you doing it as well so it's okay to have a lovely sheet or a lovely poster up so it says this is the vision Mm -hmm. but your staff and your pupils need to see you acting that out as well it should be at the core of what you do it should be what your staff your pupils your administration and your parents Mm. they should be able to see your authenticity and you know, from having the award, when I look at the cards and the gifts, what parents have given me, it's exactly that, what they're writing about. Miss mm. Reed, you, you are the best because, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you genuinely care. And that's about making it authentic. <laughs> it's not just well done. You can see from the detail of the cards that they are, they can see your leadership and they can see your worth. And so for me, that, that's been really exciting because we, we do pupil surveys and, you know, we get our stock answers. But to get cards that are actually talking about you on a personal yeah. level that say, you know, we, can, we feel, we know that you care and you want the best for our children is about them saying you're authentic in what you're doing. Mm, the belief in you. So what changes have you made that has impacted pupils and families within your school? Wow. That's a big question. Lots of change in terms of the main thing is one of the things that comes through on people service is that it's a family school, it's a community school. And as I said, from doing the inclusion work, it's about making everybody feel that they have a place in that school. So what you find is children that respect each other. You find children who have a very good understanding of black history mm. So if you go into my school, you know, children will say to you, we know who, who invented crisp. We know they, it just, it's just a natural flow mm. about the contributions of black people in, in history. So it's an inclusive school. It's a community school. It's a school where parents feel that they have a voice yeah. and it's a school where pupils feel that they have a voice. So 
my school, my school council, they are part of my leadership team. My eco committee are part of my leadership team. I can't do the job without working alongside them. Mm-hmm. So you find, and that's important for children to feel they have a voice, um, to children to feel that they can say, Miss Reed, we're not happy with this, or this is working really well. Um, and as I said, it's about the inclusivity where parents ring up and say, we've heard about this school, we've heard about the fact that you're very inclusive and that's what we want for our children. Mm. So that change, uh, a happy school, and we use that word glibly, but a school where children are happy to come to school, want to come to school, is 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 really important. Mm. A school where safeguarding is at the core of what we do as well, that everybody's responsible for safeguarding in our school. So the cooks, the clean, everybody. So I think those changes that um, people come to my school, you know, contractors, and they said, I don't know what it is with this school, but it's just a very nice place to be. And so that was my aim, that it was a school that is vibrant, that is a, a, a good setting. It's clean, it's uncluttered, it feels homely. And it's a place where I believe that children enjoy coming to mm. school. Sounds like a happy family or the foundations of mm. a happy family, mm. really, that you've created there. So there's lots of other things that but that would take the whole <laughs> day. But fun, fundamentally for me, it's about a school where children want to be and where children want to learn. And so it's OK having a happy school, um, but children are not achieving and attainment is low what I've created is a school where attainment is also at the core of what we do. So I say to parents on the open days, I guarantee that your child will leave the school reading and writing. And if they have needs, we will try to tackle and support those Mm -hmm. needs. So happy, but where learning is at the core because education, when you work in challenging socially deprived school is the passport. Mm -hmm. So it's not about leaving my school and it's like, Oh, you know, we had a, it was lovely. We just played. No, you also, the parents know that there's that partnership um, in terms of we are working hard for your children to attain, but you also need to support us in that as well. Mm. So the changes are, is that it's robust in terms of attainment, but also it's a school where, yes, it's robust, but your children enjoy their learning and want to be at school. So it's important to have that combination going mm. on. Yeah, absolutely. So it's clear from it's clear that growth is your medicine. How has mm-hmm. lifelong learning benefited you? I mean, it's clear, but can you talk about why it's important? Le- lifelong learning. When I do when I do presentations and stuff, in terms of leadership and learning, they are indispensable. Mm-hmm. The, the one doesn't go without the other. And I think on reflection, for me. It was about making sure, because sometimes you think as a head, that's it, you know, I've got there, I just need to leave my school. But you need to have, say, for example, CPD at the core. You need to be current, up to date with what's going on. But you also need to look at how your leadership is not just not one style. Your leadership, you need to understand about different leadership styles. You need to read and understand that you may need to refer to those or or put those leadership styles into, you know, use those leadership styles to support you as, as, a, as a growing leader. So for me, learning 
has been at the core and has supported me to where I am today. I've always been interested. I've never been afraid to pursue different levels of CPD. And if I feel to myself, I'm, you know, this, I'm not, not really understanding this as best I can or best as much as I should, I will make a point of, you know, CPD to support me. So up until the time I say, to the time I say I retire, I will always, you know, refer to CPD and lifelong learning to support me. And I think my journey is lifelong learning, but it still continues. Mm. Yeah, I see it in your, in your personal life as well, like, you know, learning the guitar mm. and, you know, everything that you've done. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, as a head teacher, children need to see you learning mm. as well. So, you know, when we have guitar concerts, I play with them. So they can help me speak to learning as well. So that in itself could just be motivation. Mm. Um, to encourage that child to continue say, I want to be playing the guitar like Miss Reed when I'm in my 50s. So it's, yeah, and I think as well, it's about that work, work-life balance. So, you know, along the journey, I became quite ill with diabetes and stuff and, you know, because I was very stressed in the role and had to take a step back and think, I'm not going to be able to do this role unless I get my life under control. So, learning about nutrition, learning about how to manage stress is all lifelong mm. learning. Learning the guitar to let my um, students know that you can, you're can, you still learning in your 50s is just amazing. And when the parents see me on the stage at the concerts, they're, they're looking at me thinking, what is, what is Miss Reed doing? But I'm learning, you know, and, it, and I say to them, it's never too late to learn anything. So the leadership cpd is good but is it also the other aspect of learning that we need to continue with if we're going to do this job well so so you know it all comes together so for you to be you know an outstanding leader yeah definitely so through all you know through life obviously we all have conversations with ourselves you know to spur us on pick ourselves up or whatever what is the one honest conversation that you would advise leaders to have with themselves in order to improve? You got, you know, I would say, look, you have to be reflective. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter if you're vice principal, middle leader, you have to be reflective. But for me, as I've gone along, and of course, you know, we make mistakes along the way, but the key thing is that you learn from them is to remember that, People will forget what you said. They'll forget what you did, but people will never forget how you've made them feel. And I did a presentation on Thursday, uh, you know, the wonderful world of Zoom. So I do my presentation and at the end, the facilitator said, any questions? So a young lady said, my name is Melita and I was in your school in 2013 when you first started. I was like, oh, gosh, what's going to happen now? Oh, I took a deep breath. And she said to me, you know, I remember coming to see you and saying to you, I want to be a teacher. She was a play leader in the after school. So I said to her, what did I say? And she said, you told me you need to do this. You can. And she said, because of you, I am now a teacher And I'm now a phase leader of year five and six. And I walked out your office and I felt I could do this. And this you're talking nearly 10 years ago. 
I, I was I was in mm. shock because I thought, you know, someone puts their hand up and said they've worked in your school. I was like, what what is this young lady going to say? So how you make people feel the confidence, just making them feel valued, just making them feel uh, that they can. A leader for me is about making them feel important, confident, valued, special. And so if you don't do that, what I've learned along the way is that you have the absolute polar effect. Mm. <laughs> you know, if you if you don't give things a considered response and in the early years of headship, you don't. You know, you go to a school that has a lot of issues and you get, you know, get things wrong. But I've learned along the way what I say to my middle leaders, my leadership team, people will forget what you say, they forget what you did, but they will never forget how you how you've made them feel. And so when you say to a class teacher, I want to make you a middle leader, and they you hear them talking about I felt I felt on top of the world, mm. you know, I felt that I could do this, you know. So I think for me, and that's with my pupils, with my staff, and with my parents. And my daughter, who's now a teacher, has been teaching for five years, is doing some supply currently. She said, Mom, you know, the supply has been quite successful for her. She said, you know what? I've adopted your leadership style because I know it's all about how you make those children feel. Mm. And she said, it's working. Mm. You know, I went into year six for the first time and the young man said to his head teacher, I've just had a fantastic day with Miss French because of how she's making mm. me feel. So how you feel, and even for me, how the Pearson's Teaching Award has made me feel is on top of the yeah. world. That, you know, that 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 and the nomination, and that's made me feel that I could do anything. So I think I would say to any um, any young person, any teacher, anybody who's considering going into leadership, try to remember people do forget what you say, they forget what you did, because sometimes you do wonderful things with people. You're thinking, how come they don't how how come they haven't remembered that? You know, I've put myself <laughs> out there, but how you make them feel is something that you can never take away. That's always gonna be there forever. Mm. So that's you know, very simple, nothing technical, but that's really important, I think. That self-esteem of others, mm. which we sometimes think as adults, we don't need it. We do. We absolutely do as adults. We need to also feel that we can conquer the world and that what what they, what we have done is excellent. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody needs the praise. It goes back to you, your values, really, your the relationships, resilience, respect yes. and responsibility. Yeah. Complete. Yeah. Key. Definitely. Yeah, key. And what are your thoughts on leaders showing their vulnerable side? They're human. And so it's how you support them with that. Because as a leader, you're never the finished article. Mm. Even a leader needs support. And so being a leader is a privilege. And I have the opportunity to make those life-changing opportunities to leaders. So if a leader comes and says, I'm struggling with this, how are you going to support them? It doesn't mean they can't do it. It means that what they're saying is, you know, I may need support. And so me being skilled in supporting leaders who are top of their game, who you think, oh, why would they need support? They are also vulnerable. And I very much believe in coaching and mentoring, mm -hmm. even at the highest level. 
you know, to be able to coach someone, to be able to have those interpersonal skills as a head teacher, that this member of staff feels confident to come and say to you, this is how I'm feeling. And knowing that they'll come out of your office feeling better mm-hmm. is is important. So I think we, we have to be aware as head, head teachers, which is why my journey from teacher, middle leader, vice principal was useful. But still, I'm still learning how to manage vulnerability of staff, of pupils and of yeah, parents. Three layers, yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I won't go into this now, but it would be interesting to kind of consider the vulnerability of parents because I think sometimes when they don't show their vulnerability, that's where we have the issues in school. Yeah. And but that, that's, for, yeah. <laughs> that's for another time because you could talk yeah, about it all day. But, but I think it's about as well going back to that humility mm. as a leader that um, – you know, me just being on the gate every day, that's one way in terms of building relationships with parents. Mm. And you're showing your humility that no matter what, rain or shine, you are there to support them as well as their children. And so I think for me as well, on reflection, humility is very important. That allows staff, that allows parents access to you. If, if you come across as just the leader, it's a good morning and it's a good night. And when it comes to your staff, it's when the situation is really quite dire that they then will come to discuss it with you. So what I would hope is that I lead in such a way that staff can indicate if they're feeling vulnerable, indicate also when they're doing something well and how they feel about that and to be able to share that with Mm. me. So it's about the good times and the bad Mm. times for staff, parents, you know, I want to hear about parents coming and saying to me, Miss Reed, I've done this. I had a parent say to me the other day that it's the first job she's had in 15 years. And that was just exciting, you know, and the fact she felt she could tell me this was really exciting for me because it's like, well, any support you need, just just let me know how you're feeling, how it's going. And those are the rewarding moments because I think, well, what this is saying, Rima, is that these parents feel comfortable to approach you and tell you what's mm. going on in their their personal lives. Mm. So yeah. that doesn't happen overnight. That's that's relationships, isn't it? Yeah, it built takes over time. time. Yeah. Yeah. And um, what yes. challenges have you faced during your career that you are grateful for? Whew. Challenges. Sometimes major challenges understanding that you need support and that you're not a one-man band, and that you too can be vulnerable. I mean, I heard many years ago that as a leader, it's sometimes lonely at the top, but I I couldn't understand what that meant. But understanding that you too, one of the challenges is that you know you need support, you're not quite clear where to turn to, and it's just one disaster after another. So for me, I learned as years went on that having a good support network around you can really make the mm. difference. So I have a few head teacher friends that we have weekly uh, telephone conversations where we talk about the highs and the lows of the week or the term. or And that's helped me to be able to talk about how I'm feeling. Because as a head, you sometimes feel that you can't. You feel that you have to have this brave face on all mm. times. And there's times where I felt extremely low and vulnerable because of the many challenges that headship brings and not having anyone to talk to. So now I've realised it's okay to say I'm really tired. 
it's okay to say I am struggling with this aspect of my work and it's not a direct criticism or a failure. It's more about you need support with this and you shouldn't be afraid to ask for support. Mm. So one of the challenges was, it's just like when I became ill with the diabetes and the liver disease, it was because I wasn't seeking support. I was basically just trundling on thinking I've just got to do this. And then when I crashed and burned, that's when I realised I actually need support here. So knowing when to ask or seek support for carried out a very challenging mm. role as a head mm. teacher. Yeah, so important. I think that could be one of the most important things. Like just speaking, through speaking to people, it's knowing when to yeah. ask for support. And I think it's changed now. So there's lots of talk around well-being, mm. mental health. But five to ten years ago, that that, that support really wasn't mm. there. So now it's a lot easier in a leadership role to get support because people speak about it a lot more freely. But many years ago, you were expected to just get on with the job, even though you, you were not in a very good place mentally, physically. And so that's good that. That was a massive challenge mm. for me. And I'm glad that I sought support, which meant that I could get my physical health and my mental health back on track mm-hmm. to be able to carry on the job. Yeah. Really. So on that note, then, how do you empower yourself and maintain your well-being? For me, it's about physical fitness. And I think that was coupled with the fact I needed to change that status quo because my health had got into a bad place. But what I found is that through having a physical fitness regime that's given me that mental clarity. It's removed that brain fog. So I work out quite regularly. I, as I said, I'm learning how to play the guitar, which is great. I, I find walking is very useful mm. for me. And sometimes talking, it's just, yeah, I like <laughs> to talk. Um, so meeting, meet, you know, having a small group of headship friends that we can talk to, that having that commonality mm. Is, is useful as well because sometimes people don't always understand the stress and the strain but my physical physicality my diet and having that outlet of learning the guitar spending time with my my family has all been useful and I feel like I've got energy that I didn't have 10 years mm. ago um, I, I still feel I'm still quite vibrant invigorated and just having that clarity of thought for me is the biggest evaluation that compared to say five years ago you know I'd be doing all the tasks and the duties but it was more of a chore but now it's an excitement you know thinking of new initiatives what can I do next has really I think has changed for me and where I want to go next in my career has all come to fruition because I think that my physicality and those aspects of my life are in a different place to what they were five years ago. Gosh, that's very interesting. The importance of the physicality and how that's kind of, well, I don't know if I say motivated, but that how that's become a key ingredient into what you can do next. I think also as well, when you lose over 50 pounds in weight, Mm. it tells you that you have, a discipline about mm. you because that's that's no mean feat 
So it's like, well, Rima, if you can lose 50 pounds in weight, then there's not really much that you can't mm. do. So it's motivated me when you sometimes say, oh, you know, it's motivated me to think if you can do that and you could, t- and you obviously you have to keep the momentum, obviously I'm still on that journey, then really and truly I could do most things. Yeah. Back to your value of resilience. <laughs> yeah. 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 Brilliant. It's, it's so interesting how, uh, you know, those four values, everything that you say, they are there. Everything yeah. that you're saying, they're, they're, yeah. they're embedded. Definitely. So as we come into the end then, what three tips, or maybe just one, because I think there's there's yeah. lots of gems in there. It's quite obvious that there's reflection and, you know, all of that. But what one yeah. tip then would you give a new leader wanting to get into senior leadership? Ensure that your CPD, your learning, that before you get to that point, there's some very robust learning that has gone on before. Mm. Because I've had leaders who just want to be a leader, but they're not. You know, you can you can prepare for that role, you can, to some degree. You can't prepare for it fully because if you're not in that role, you learn from experience. But just keep CPD at the core and use that as prep for the role that you are pursuing. Mm. Yeah, keep just keep learning. Uh, read around that role. Read around leadership, as that's what it is you want to do. Read around what it is you want to mm-hmm. do. Um, in preparation failing to prepare is preparing to fail they say mm-hmm. yeah there's that um john maxwell he's got a book something some, that says many things like that um i can't remember if it's right. him or not so just when you're saying about reading around leadership what would you say yeah. is the best resource or have you got any books that you would advise leaders middle leaders particularly to read who one of the books that I read it's a very simple book, the book Who Moved My Cheese. Oh, yes, yes. So, very simple book Who Moved My Cheese by Dr. Spencer Johnson mm-hmm. is an interesting book, and it doesn't take you know, it's not not 100, you know, two, three hundred pages, but in terms of leadership, it is a book that I would recommend mm-hmm. um, for any re- leader to read because. Being a being ahead is very challenging, very rewarding, very challenging. And as I said, for me, I didn't seek support for a long time. And reading a book like Who Moved My Cheese is useful. There's many books out there to read, yeah. but sometimes you have a a, a a list of books in your iPhone if you and you don't get to any of them. Yeah. But that's one that I would recommend for a new leader, especially at headship level, to to read. Yeah, and it's very quick. It's about a hundred and yes. so pages, isn't it? It's very yeah, thin. It's not. It's yeah. not. It's not. It's because I say sometimes, you know, in our busy world, you just want a book with those key messages, those gems that you can take away, and you think, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try that next week, or I'm going to, you know, give that a go and see what happens. So, mm-hmm. yes, mm-hmm. that's a very good recommendation. So I've got three deep dive statements and a random question. So one of the characteristics of a transformational leader is that they are present in the now and listen carefully to their inner wisdom before making decisions. So as I say the statements, all you've got to do is to finish them. So pupils really need educators. And transformational leaders to make progress. Mm -hmm. My voice is important because... 
My voice is important because it's authentic and it inspires all. Mm, True. And part of my legacy will be? Part of my legacy is inspiring others and creating a legacy, a, a legacy for others in the future. Fantastic. And then your random question, and it is re- <laughs> it really is random. You can only listen to one empowering song for the rest of your life. What song do you choose? This might be quite controversial, but it's R. Kelly, I Believe I Can Fly. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's no, I mean, the title says it all. It's nothing to do with yeah. the artist. It's <laughs> No, it's about, it's about the, the, the lyrics of that song. Yeah. That when I think, you know, going back 10, 15 years, I, I, I could sing it now and it kind of touches something in my soul yeah. and gives me that confidence to believe. I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. Yeah, so for me, yeah, you know, that's the first song that comes. There's many, but that's what comes into my head. And that song's been part of my journey for very many years. Yeah, brilliant. You know, everything that you said, everything ties back and loops back into all of your values. This is a very, very, oh, it's true, isn't it? You're a walking embodiment of who you are, you know, your values and everything. Thank you so much for taking the time out this morning. And thank, thank you. you. It's, it's just really lovely to actually talk about that journey because sometimes you forget the challenges, you forget how rewarding it's been. And, you know, having this interview or this opportunity to talk about it has been fantastic. So thank you so much. Thank you. So we have finally come to the end of the Women Leaders series. So I've interviewed some fantastic women along the last few months. I've spoken to head teachers, coaches, and people just really doing their best, the best that they can do in education for pupils and young people. I'm so happy that you've stayed with us and listened. And if you haven't listened to all of the episodes, I do encourage you to go back and listen because there are so many gems. One of the key things coming out of the podcast is the importance of listening and being heard having a supportive leader while also being one, but really having that supportive space there for you so you can voice your concerns about anything that may be bothering you, taking risks in order to grow and further develop your career, the importance of reflecting, so reflecting on your day, reflecting on your actions, because that really can propel you forward in your career. You learn from your mistakes. And last but not least, The very, 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 very crucial ingredient, I would say, is the importance of professional development and investing in yourself. So if you haven't listened to all of the episodes, I do encourage you to go back and listen. I thank you so much for listening, and I hope that you were inspired and gained some insights which can help you progress in your journey. Do remember to share your takeaways on social media and let people know what resonated with you. Do tag me because it's really nice to see your thoughts and what you're thinking about and what you really want to develop. And subscribe to the podcast at voiceineducation.com. Please do keep in touch on Instagram because I will be releasing a new series coming soon. Look out for it in the new year. Remember, there is power in your voice and it all starts with a conversation.